I am unashamed. What about you? So I didn't tell you all about my, uh, I had to go to the doctor yesterday. I think I told, did I tell you about me hurting my finger, Jace? Yeah. I mean, on this dislo- last road trip. Yeah, you dislocated your finger and. Yeah, and I, I said the Almighty was cursing me because I made fun of mom, you know. So, but mom, so she has surgery on hers. They reconnect the tendons. You know, she's good to go. So that was my expectation. So, you know, because I don't go to the doctor a lot, um, thankfully. So I go in. I'm sitting there waiting. He comes in. And I like it. I like his style because he walks in. He doesn't have a white coat or anything. He's just dressed in normal clothes. He said, what are y'all doing in here? I said, we're waiting on you to get here because you're, you're the star of the show. So he starts laughing and he says, yeah, you got the you got the mallet, huh? And I said, yep, I got it. It's called mallet finger. And uh, you're the end of my finger just droops down. It's just it's worthless. The worthless appendage. And I said, yeah, I got it. He said, well, I got to tell you right now it's about this deal. He said, first of all, it stinks. I mean, it, it's no fun. I said, well, I, I can attest to that. He said, second thing is, I can't really do anything to help you. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I thought he was going to say, you know, we can knock this out. We do whatever. He's like, no. He said, basically, either it's going to heal on its own or it isn't. And so all I'm going to do is put something on it to keep you from moving it for six weeks. And then we'll see what happens. He says, it's going to heal in some form or fashion. But I was so stunned because, you know, you're so used to going to the doctor and them saying they can fix anything. But this guy, which I loved his honesty, he was like, yep, can't do anything to help. He said, I can put a pin in there. And he said, but you know the problem with that? And I said, what? And he said, and then you got a pin in your finger. He said, it hurts Hmm. all the time. Did he ever say, did he ever say stretch out your hand? He did not say that, <laughs> which I, I thought about this. Jace, I actually thought about that text. I thought about, man, if only I could be in the synagogue and look at Jesus and say, stretch out that finger. Because when I stretch it out, it just droops. Just nothing changes. Nothing. Well, when Jesus so, said, stretch out your hand, he stretched it out. The tip of my middle finger, just the tip of it from the joint up to it, it's just it's just it's gone. He, and he said the tendons tore and they shrink back is what happens. And so he said, you know, he said, be looked at my hand. He said, you know, you don't have weak joints, which I didn't know there was such a thing. He said, so that's a good thing in this case. He said, so it may, it may grow back. You may be good. He said, but we may take it off and it'll droop from the rest of your life. Al, as one of my and, coaches said one time when a guy had lost his finger in a uh, woodworking accident, I mean, he had lost, he came in. Said, hey, coach. Well, yeah, I had it bandaged, bandaged up. He said, let me look. So he pulled his the paper towel back, and there was no finger. And he said, well, you know what the good thing is? And that little kid was looking like for for joy and hope. I could see it in his eyes. And he said, you got another one just like it on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, that's, not very, that's not very encouraging <laughs> diagnosis. Well, Phil, with a man of your compassion, for you to think even that's extreme means that was a pretty extreme response to a kid losing his finger. Yeah. Well, what I didn't what I didn't realize was until now I don't I haven't had use in a few weeks is the middle finger on your dominant hand is a very instrumental tool in the human body. Oh, is it's that used the one you're having every... problems with? 
Yeah. Well, you need to just go ahead and cut that off. And since you, you're no, the there's... one that says you thought that it may be a curse from God, which I talked about last <laughs> podcast, be careful that you don't go to an extreme where, you know, there's a demon in the lettuce and that's why you got sick and there's no parking because the demons are out to get you. And, you know, so what were you doing when your finger went out on you? I just, I literally just set my hand down on a st- on a set of steps to to balance myself to then walk up the steps. I mean, it was the most, you know, something you do, you know, never even think twice about it. And so, somehow I just had that finger in the wrong position, and it felt like a bee sting, like it just was a little zap on my hand. I looked down at my hand, and then that finger was just drooping. So here's what you it's do, Al. This is the ultimate. If I was a pastor. And I had a problem like that causing me that much pain. You you would have the ultimate illustration now. Go Ronnie Lott, who famously, when they said that he couldn't play in the second half of the Super Bowl because his finger had was dislodged and dislocated, and they said, we can't fix that. And he said, well, cut it off. And they did. And he went and played. So, Al, you... True story. True story. Oh, look it up. Well, you can't look it up. But there's an encyclopedia, I'm sure, that would have that information in it. True story. You could uh, cut off your middle finger, Al, as as the opposite reaction to what that represents when people in the (laughs) demonic world give you the finger. It'd make a great illustration. Yeah. If if your right if your right finger causes you to sin, cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what y'all do without me. So I Phil, know, you're just full of full of grand ideas. Phil came up in between the uh, break because we're doing two podcasts today, and uh, we're having difficulty with Al since we have a hurricane, and we and our hearts do go out to the people in Florida who are Absolutely. undergoing that, and and I don't think it's some kind of judgment in time judgment i just think we live in a in a earth on an earth that's uh volatile and we're perishable we're perishable beings and storms happen and we're you know the next chapter we're gonna see where a storm happens with jesus in the boat and yep. i mean the key thing to take away from that is when you're in the boat with jesus ultimately storms can't hurt you you're in the right boat even if you die yet so so you live and i mean you know i'm not making light of that tragedy happens but that's that's why we have jesus in the boat i mean we're we're in his boat he he calms the storms he raises the dead he heals diseases he fixes fingers he fixes hands that's where we're going with this so that's right but meanwhile while we're here and all the chaos and tragedy and things that go about we share the same message he did which is that god is for us not against us he -hmm. wants us to live with him forever as part of his family and it's the greatest kingdom that's ever been established or ever will be established and he chose to allow human beings to be a part of it because of his love and grace i mean that that is the gospel no you're right jays and and you know there's nowhere you can go on this planet to get away from storms, difficulties. I mean, you know, people just think we can fix this planet. No, not really, because we didn't make it. 
And so I know people think they can and people think they can create a paradise, you know, here, but you can't. That's why you have to have something more. That's why the kingdom of God is such a big deal. I don't know how anybody lives down here on the coast without faith. Well, or anywhere man. you know that's volatile. Well, during the break, Phil, uh, you remember your assessment, and I said I had the answer. I said, but we'll wait till the podcast has started. So, what was your assessment that you said? And I'll give you my answer. What what topic? Were you we... said I've noticed that on the earth, there's more crime. Uh, what what was oh, you? Yeah. No, yeah. Say what you said. I said I had because you said what do you think, and I said no. It wait. Seems to me that. Just, just solid crime, robbery, rape, murder, beating, shootings, looting, burning. It just looks like to me there's an uptick. Maybe somebody said, well, you just saw something and then you figured that. But this is the, the biggest crime wave I've ever actually looked at. It's, it's more- well, I think you said you thought, you said, I think there's more crime today than there ever has been in the history of the world. Well, at 76, that's my assessment. And I said, I know why. I, you want to hear why? I'd love to know that that, that, that enlightened me, Jason. Because there's more people on the earth right now than there's ever been. It's a good point. <laughs> the odds, the odds are, are against us is what you're trying to say. It's a population thing. Yep. Yep. You're right. And, there was nothing and profound. It was just a. It was. <laughs> I've never seen a group of individuals so hell bent on on, on going to hell on snow on oh. slaughtering yeah their own children in the mother's womb. I just can't. Yeah, I mean we're laughing, but it's but not think funny. Think about it though, Dad. Think about it, Dad. Jace is right. It's not just that there's more people, but there's more people in smaller places. Because look. You know, if me and Jace go down to the grocery store, we go to Brookshire's, you know, we would we would never see some person over there just wailing away on some woman when we walked in the grocery store. You know, I mean, you just wouldn't see it here. And if and if you did see it, there would be about 10 men that took that guy and beat the crap out of it. Mm-hmm. But when when now with all this video we're seeing in some of these major cities, I mean, people are just they'll just go over and just beat the fire out of some little old lady. And you're like, but it's, they're all piled on top of each other. And then it's just like a world gone mad, but it's the population centers are the problem. I've, I've never had so many people threatening me at this time of my life. Thinking how could you build enough prisons (laughs) to even hold them? They can't, they're overcrowded. That's what I'm saying. Well, there's more people. I mean, the biggest structures on the earth is fast to get coming to a point where there's more people in prison than it is and not in prison. I mean. Well, that would be a sad time when you looked up one day and everybody was locked up. Yeah, that's where we're headed. It's almost like the Bible. It says the whole world is a prisoner of sin. That's what you're seeing. I'm telling you. I mean, obviously, it's it's a lack of it's a lack of Jesus, too. Yeah. And, and with these people, because you'd never act like that. Love, joy and peace, Jace, for the. For the people of the world, love, joy, and peace has flown away. Well, fortunately, we have a being known as Jesus that calls all men. And one of the things you do, you know, I mean, that you get from 
putting your faith and trust in Jesus as the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So there's your uh, sermon. It'll work. Box. There's a great show that's streaming. When's the last time you said that? Called The Chosen. And they got that idea from this little episode that happened in Mark three thirteen. That God chose us for the beginning of time, but he, he did it thinking he would, you know, God doesn't think in the future because he just is. But he says through the work, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And so in the overtime, we talked about this idea that these men that you have to be patient with that were chosen, they were flawed. They did dumb things. I mean, even Peter, when he acknowledged Jesus as son of God in, uh, or is that Matthew 16, 15, and 16? Yeah. He then starts questioning how Jesus is going to go about saving the world. And so Jesus, in the next breath, said, That was given to you by my Father in heaven, that you're acknowledging me as the Son of God. And in the next paragraph, he says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. And uh, which is not, you know, the equivalent of having a bad day at work and you breaking out your shirt, you know, get behind me, Satan or, uh, or what? No, what's the shirt say? Not today, Satan. Remember when that movement came about it? Cause we talked about people go to the extreme sometimes and they get so caught up in trying to figure out how the demons are working or what everything means in life that they miss the fact that, Inside Jesus, clarity is found. You find clarity of life in being with Jesus, which is the whole point of why he came. Let's do, hey, Jace, let's take a break. So we know that Jesus told us that uh, what we look at with our eyes is sort of a window into our heart and into our soul. Uh, and unfortunately, the evil one knows that as well. And so uh, that's why pornography has been such a scourge. Uh, I guess as long as mankind has been around, but certainly in the modern era, there's so much access to so much bad stuff on the Internet. But uh, one of our favorite sponsors is a group called Covenant Eyes. Uh, it's a company right here in the USA. They've been around about 22 years and they've helped over a million and a half people uh, be delivered from pornography. Uh, and I know people don't like talking about it, but it's very destructive, not only for your own mind and your own soul, but also your family. And so uh, we want to try to help with that. We want to try to help our families, our marriages, uh, lust, all the things. And we want to do that with faith. And these these are faithful folks who have helped a lot of people. So we really encourage you uh, to give these guys a try. Uh, Covenant Eyes. They're going to give you a free 30-day trial if you sign up using the promo code Phil. So here's how you do it. You go to CovEyes, C-O-V-E-Y-E-S dot com slash Phil. That's CovEyes dot com slash Phil. 30 days free trial. It's going to help you. It's going to protect you. And it's going to get you away from uh, such a scourge uh, that the devil uses. So that brings us, which I had quoted the C.S. Lewis that's been quoted many times, that, you know, people have to come to an opinion on who they think Jesus is. Even if they don't acknowledge or say, I don't believe that. Yeah, they have an opinion of Jesus. And the main three, I think, that he got out of here, he's either Lord, he is who he says he is, he's the Son of God, 
or he's a lunatic, or he's a liar. And you're introduced to that in verse 20 because it says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. So he's dealing with this fame because of the of what people are getting from him, which is healing. They're getting demons removed. They're getting their life back. So when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. That means we got to put him under lock and key somehow. He's out of control. Because <clears throat> when you think about this, and, and I'll go ahead and read the, the rest of that. For they said he is out of his mind. He's a lunatic. That's his own family. His own family. Now, before we throw him under the bus, and we know Mary believed, and we know uh, at one point, John 7, 5, that Jesus' brothers, his own brothers, did not believe in him. It clearly says that. So you got to think, well, what happened? Well, this is, when you think about in reality what's happened here, you kind of sympathize with this. Because here's Jesus, who up until this point, you know, before he receives God's spirit, he wasn't doing miracles and all that. He was just a normal fella. Now, without the fact that he, he never sinned. So I think when you throw that in there, think about that situation. You know, I had... I had many. He had a big knowledge of the scriptures as a kid. He well, was true. sitting there and they he, couldn't he was get around him. Obviously, you know, he, he, he was different in, in those facets. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't, you know, doing miracles. And now a lot of people think he was in the religious world. But it seems to me that that started in his ministry once he got the Holy Spirit and those miracles were confirmation that he was the Son of God. But either this or that, I'm not going to make a big deal of that. I mean, he was different. And, I mean, this is one of those deals I think where practically, you know, his brothers were like, you think you're perfect? It's something I, I said to my brothers. And yeah. Jesus went, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that just didn't go well. I, and I know that that Jesus was probably the favorite. Because you know how we do as parents. We, <clears throat> we have our kids, and there's moments where you – you play favorites because you can't help it. I mean, I remember in some of my wisdom and discipline with my kids, I remember one time, which I shouldn't have said this because we're flawed human beings, but we had a conflict between my two sons and just in my frustration in trying to identify what they needed to do. I mean, I looked at one son, brother, and I said, you need to be more like him. You know, I was, that was a terrible thing to say because <laughs> I was basically saying I like him better. And in the moment I did because I was like, just just watch him and be more like him because you're, you're, you're just, this is what's causing all the problems, you know. But when you look at their life practically and all of a sudden, the reason I think Jesus started doing this type of miracles for the first time well, that's why I think they thought he was out of his mind. Because they're like, wait a minute here. I don't think Mary, I don't think he's including Mary. Because think about it. Mary was told, you're going to yeah. be with child, 
And she said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And when God says nothing's impossible, she probably never well, wavered. I, I thought that at first, but then when he gets to the back end of this, and I mean, look, now this, this gets a little weird because there's a story within a story here, which Mark does that a lot. But then he's going to get to the end in verse 31. I'll go ahead and read it. He says, when then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And he now he, he asked this profound question, which seems to a lot of people, especially non-believers, this seems terrible to say. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers whoever does god's will is my brother and sister and mother now just as profound as it was him to call his disciples up on the mountain and introduce the idea that god can use people to share his goodness and and grace despite their flaws i think here is profound is he introduces for the first time what i would depict as a forever family God introduces that not only does he want to save man, that he loves man, but he wants to live with people forever. Because here's Jesus, the son of God in human form. And he's saying, you want to be the family of God? You do the will of the father and you're you're going to be our family. And there's other passages you could go to. Uh, there's one in John. Your lineage it is is because the Jews were big on lineage. Your lineage does not amount to dual squat. You know what I'm saying? Well, exactly. Which seems harsh. Now, look, there's plenty of passages in Ephesians and other passages about the the dynamic of the family. I mean, God is the architect of the family. And we read this in weddings and baby blessings and. He's pro-family. He designed it. It was his idea. We sh- we have our roles in the family. We should do them. You know, as uh, I think of the illustration in Ephesians 5, you know, where husbands, you know, love your wives and be willing to give your life for your wife. Women, you know, submit to your husbands. And and he goes talking about kids and, and our responsibility to them. But he also said in there, but remember, you're married to Christ. I mean, we're... We have this relationship with Jesus, and we have families, and they should be godly and and dynamic forces for what's right, and and that show Jesus. We're in the to right set up an example for him. There's no doubt in everything. But in this situation, you know, I don't know if Mary. I mean, we can speculate on this. I mean, maybe she knows God. I mean, she knows God's plan. She knows this is real because she was a virgin. Despite what everybody else said, she knew yeah. this is not possible, and it. But it it happened. So I I do believe that she was probably saying, "Look," but but she also gets the idea that all of a sudden this hoopla has happened, and even you know Mary was a human being, and, and plus so you could make an argument, Jace, that families without the Lord Jesus here are my mother, my brothers, who's a if you realize you're in, a, you're in a forever family, as you said it, if you realize that and you behave accordingly, because there are a lot of families 
that are broken, splintered at each other's throat. Oh, exactly. I mean, it gives hope to people who, I don't know how many we, We've got a that, fatherless culture. There's there's no dad there. To, oh, exactly. My adopted daughter, I mean, her, that her, was her biggest draw to God initially. Because, well, you know, she don't have any family. She's an orphan girl. Yeah. And she's like, but I have a father. He loves me. I mean, it was, that was very appealing and once she understood who jesus is and that we're adopted and i mean this is part of her story so i've seen what happens in people's lives as a positive but it's also frustrating for people to read this because it makes them uncomfortable because they're like well that seemed that wasn't very nice for his family but you got to remember most of them didn't believe mary was probably just trying to be like moms do she was trying to get everybody together on the same page because, look, it's in our nature. We put family first, which is a is a good thing. Yep. But when you come to Christ, you realize that we put Jesus first, and, and God's family is part of that. But your family is also the responsibility that God gave you to try. I mean, my number one priority is to get my family, my physical family, to heaven yep. as a part of God's forever family. Yep. Which is which I think is spiritual because you want them to live with you forever. It's it's the highest form of love. What's your take on that, Al? Yeah. <clears throat> so let's, let's take a break. So another one of my favorite uh, sponsors of the podcast is a group called Forty Days for Life, and Lisa and I had discovered them a pretty good while back, and uh, Lisa's even written. Uh, an article in their newsletter. And uh, of course, we've had Sean Carney, who's their CEO on our podcast a couple of times. Uh, and, you know, now that we're in a, a, a post-Roe world, now that Roe versus Wade was overturned, the battles are going to the states. And so we really have to step up more. And that's what 40 Days for Life is doing. Uh, they have over a million volunteers in a thousand different cities around the world. They have peaceful vigils where they pray. Uh, which is a great blessing. Uh, the no-show rate goes as high as 75%. Um, that's what uh, former Planned Parenthood directors have said uh, because of, of this prayer. I mean, prayer is a powerful tool, and that's what these guys do. Uh, over 106 abortion businesses in America um, ha- have shut down. 45% of those were in liberal states. So we're changing hearts. We're changing minds. There's more excitement on the pro-life side that I've seen in my lifetime, and I think it's fantastic. So we want you to check them out, check out their locations. Maybe you can get involved, become one of their volunteers and and be a part of the vigils. Check out their podcast. Also, they have a free magazine at 40daysforlife.com. It's going to keep you updated on what's going on in the pro-life world. Uh, It's going to help us end abortion in this post-Roe America. That's 4040daysforlife.com. Check them out. No, I agree. And I think it also shows you, Jay's. you mentioned this, I think, in the last podcast, one of y'all did, that how radical what Jesus was doing was. I mean, in other words, he was totally shifting everybody's system that they've always known for all of their human history. I mean, he was changing it. And if just think about it, it was, yeah, it was his their brother and it was Mary's son. And she even knew that he was special because she knew it at the beginning. But he was he was flipping the whole world over. And so even them, they're they're human beings. They're just like, we got to go talk to him. But I I agree with your assessment of Mary. I think she 
probably like most moms said, look, we're going to hold this family together. Let's go down and talk to him and find out what we're hearing all this stuff about what he's saying and doing. Let's go have a conversation. And I don't think Jesus was being ugly about him. I just think he was expanding the idea that this is exactly what I'm talking about. Your earthly family is not not the most important thing going forward. Well, it's being a part yeah, of me. I think the number one thing, like when I used to do some of my kids, I'd say, look, you're representing Jesus. I would always go Jesus first. But then I would also say, but you're representing this family. I'd say the Robertson name. There's a reputation. And so when you're doing something out in public that you think is hurting your reputation, you know, especially the mom of the family, we got to have an intervention here. And I think that's what's going on. That, can you imagine the stories they're hearing? Now, his brothers don't even believe in him. And all of a sudden, they're hearing all this. It's hard to, when somebody becomes famous, and look, we I know this firsthand, it is hard to find the truth. I mean, I've, I've said this before, but half the things that you will find out about me on Mr. Google is false. Because anybody <laughs> can post anything. I mean, we've had, you know, we've all gone through the stories. I mean, Phil's been selling uh, marijuana stuff, and size died at least three times and come back to Multiple life. Multiple times. Yeah, I mean, it, it's all these stories. That, and I've seen people will send me things about uh, somebody put out there that my birthday was on the 17th, and it's on the 16th. I'm not even going to give you the month because I don't even want, you know, I don't want to go down that road. But so now, look, here's what's funny. I have two birthdays every year. I have just as many people, my own friends, because they read it on the Internet, subconsciously said, oh, I got that wrong. And So on the 16th, I get, I'd say, 50 texts on my phone. Happy birthday. We have the party. And <laughs> then on the 17th, guess what? We do it all again. It's all these other people who think that my birthday I hope is, that doesn't catch on because every day you'll be celebrating your birthday. Here we go. <laughs> so what I'm saying is I think this cause, they thought, well, he's out of it. He, he's, he's gone crazy. Because somehow or another, the stories they're hearing, they've gone, he's insane. So these stories had to be. And, and look, we're talking about demons coming out and he's healing people. And so I think they just thought, now, look, we, he's always been a model person. We've never seen him mess up. He's, he's done all this. But now all of a sudden he's claiming that he can drive out demons. I think that he was doing things that they had never seen or heard. And they thought, well, he's, he's gone crazy. You can't. Now, wait a minute. It's one thing to be a reputable human being. It's another thing claiming that you have power. You can raise people from the dead. The dude has gone. Because why, why did it move to insanity is my, my point. Well, I think, I, I think, Jace, they must have. If, let's face it. If they didn't believe in him when he started his ministry, that also meant, means that they didn't believe the story that Mary and Joseph were telling that Mary got pregnant That's by right. the Holy Spirit. Well, I agree, Al, so, but I'm saying it. What, but but it moved past that into insanity. Yeah. To me, that's you, you're claiming to do things that are that are insane, and the only thing I can think of, somebody's pulling up, is is <laughs> miracles. Mercury. And look, I mean, it's like that preacher story. What was that story that guy said? Uh, so there's a guy in in, in the mental mental ward. 
and he's he's saying, "I'm Napoleon. I'm Napoleon. I'm Napoleon. I'm Napoleon." You've heard this, Al? Yeah, somewhere, but I don't remember yeah, how it I, is. I'm Napoleon. Well, the guy next to him in the bed next to him says, "Well, who told you that?" And he said, "God did." And the guy next to him said, "Oh no, I didn't." <laughs> <laughs> and the point is everybody's crazy here because this is not that you know you have your own narratives of what's going on i mean in your own way because to me calling jesus crazy is crazy yep. who's the crazy one here yeah i mean for you to not acknowledge because <laughs> jesus is the son of god and he was in your family and now you think he's crazy which makes you crazy but it shows you how hard it is for human beings when they can't explain something people don't like the inexplicable i mean you know that's why people are infatuated with ufos and you know all these things because nobody likes not knowing the truth is out there you know you hear people say that so when this was going on i mean you got here's his family saying he's crazy and here the other side the religious people are saying oh no he's not crazy he has a demon but both of them had a problem with the inexplicable they couldn't explain what jesus was doing in some some un, you know otherworldly way and so they just labeled it. Well, before we move to the second story, which because it, it is all of a sudden, because there's been more printed about this second story as far as from a controversial standpoint. I do want to make the application on that's why later when uh, Jesus remember when they the Pharisees tried to trap him and they said, you know, what if a woman or a man? I can't remember uh, is married seven times, you know, at the resurrection Who's who's going to be 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 her husband? Yeah, exactly. And she you got know, seven seven of them. And he made that point. He's like, you don't, you're ignorant because you don't know the power of God or the scriptures. And people won't be given in marriage. They'll kind of be like the angels. You know, remember that passage? Well, that you you understand it perfectly here once you read this, because your relationship with God and being a part of that family, that's eternal. This is this is to populate the earth. This is to show the idea of family, which God's design goes back to him making male and female, and that's where kids come from, a male and a female getting together. But at the resurrection, look, we're going way beyond. We, once you're an eternal being like Jesus, having the body of Jesus, you know, we'll be like him, 1 John 3. Well, I'm not sure on all the details of how that works, but I know one thing, we don't have to take into account how many times I was married here. That he was like, <laughs> it's almost like it was, a, he was making fun of it. He's like, you're, you're, you're not thinking big enough. So I do think it's important, but I also think it's important when you read other verses when it says that Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, because we all talk about the peace that we have in Christ is is so treasured, you know, in our minds, but he, he continues that verse that came to bring a sword and he starts talking about families being divided. Well, that seems to fly in the face. They're like, well, why would, why would God want to disrupt families? Because if your whole family is saying you're crazy for following Jesus, they're crazy, not you. <laughs> That's right. It's not worth you losing your eternal 
uh, existence as part of God's family because your family saying you're crazy. You, what are you, some kind of Jesus freak and all? And that happens every day in the spiritual warfare of kingdom living. Sure it is. Every day and people look. show up. Every Sunday people show up that are crying because their family has disowned them because they put their faith and trust in Jesus and they think Jesus is a madman. They do. And the reason they think that is because who is attacked in in crazy people, in, in legitimately mentally challenged people's minds, who is always front and center of that? And it's Jesus. You know, people don't go around and say, you know, I'm Buddha. They, they It's always Jesus. Yeah. Because I think in the spiritual warfare of life, Jesus is has the most power. He has the most evidence. He makes the most sense. And so he's always going to be the one attacked. And and I even Hollywood, you see it. It's all, it's just filled with references of insane people talking about Jesus. And and I just don't think that's a coincidence. I you know, you know what I mean? Or that they're God, right? So let's take another break. And Jace, you're right. And even a bigger part of the world, like we're kind of looking at through our lens in America, and you still see people that have to get out of family situations to follow Christ sometimes. But in the rest of the world, especially, and Jace, you've met many of these people, when you make a decision to to leave a certain religion and, and become a Christian, you are disowned forever. That's right. I mean, they 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 erase your name out of the family tree. Yep. So, I mean, there are people all over the world that by following Christ, they are having to leave everything they've known. Jesus uh, did say that if they hated me, they will hate you also. Well, look, there and there is hope though. There's multiple passages, you know, the one in 1 Corinthians about remaining in the situation when you were called and there's the one in Peter, which says if a if a man has a uh, if a woman has a man that's unbelieving, you know she may win him over by her good deeds. And look, there's there's happy endings and and people come to Christ, but there's also a lot of difficulty when people in your family are not believers in, in Jesus. I mean, it creates a ton of difficulty, and it's actually the the hardest people for you as a family member to reach. And I've learned that, you know, you need it. it, Sometimes it takes, you know, a posse, a Jesus posse to get someone to see, you know, Jesus for the first time. Because when when you're in the family, and I think that's what happened here, you're just not taking your family members seriously. And they weren't taking him seriously. They're like, oh, you're, you're the son of God. Really? That's what you're going with? I, I remember we, us being down at the creek and all, all this stuff that's not recorded in the New Testament about Jesus's life. Well, they they have it recorded in their brain because they saw it every day. And they concluded, you're a great person because we know he never sinned. So, I mean, I think they would have to acknowledge it. You're not the son of God. And it wasn't because it was personal. It was just, this is so crazy that it can't be true. Now, having said all that, who is in the upper room amongst the believers in Acts chapter one post-resurrection? The same people who right here said no, and well, now they said yeah. Because what happened? And we all have concluded and deducted that when they saw their brother, Mary saw her son, 
when they saw him come back from the dead, well, now that was a game changer. <laughs> You're no longer crazy. You've been cured from insanity. <laughs> you are the son of God, which is awesome evidence. I don't know how people even get around that evidence. So the second sto- the story that's within the story, he then goes, he pivots, but it's still, I think, the same part of the same group. Whether you think Jesus is crazy or a liar, either one will doom you. Uh, Jesus, let's see, what is it, verse 22. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub. And you, I did a little study on this, which basically is an Old Testament reference to the evil one, Satan. He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. Because they had to figure out, how does he have this power? Because even though they didn't want to acknowledge him as the son of God, I mean, they, you, you, the man, healing, he's doing miracles that are not kind of like the miracles we argued about a couple of podcasts ago or the supernatural working. These are things like the guy's hand out. That'd be like you cutting your middle finger off. And then Jesus says, stretch out your hand and then it's back. Well, you, you have to acknowledge that there's some power that's enabling him to do that. That's why the zombies are all around him trying to be healed. So they said, they accused him of that. So Jesus called them and spoke to them. In parables, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. Which actually, you know, I thought about, I wonder if he was thinking when he did overcome the evil one, being tempted in 40 days, you know, for the 40 days a chapter ago, if he was kind of thinking about that when he shared this. I mean, look, they're human beings, and you're like, well, she should have known, and she did. You don't don't know what you don't know. That's a lot to put on somebody. It's one thing to give birth to, uh, you know, a son when you're a virgin. It's another thing. Even though you would think you would make that conclusion, it's another thing for that son to grow up and be an adult and die. Mm-hmm. And you have to go through all that misery because that's the worst pain Just think on of the planet is losing it a was son or daughter. a lot of the human mind. I mean, well, that, I think that's why this was a slow process, which is why don't tell anybody, hang on, because it just it took him living the way he did and going through the process for us to wrap our minds around the possibility. Right after the funeral, if I walked up out here for we having this podcast about a week later and I walk up out there and they said, Phil's out there, you'd say, you know, look, you know, don't, don't be. Well, that would be mean and cruel. Yeah. 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 So let me finish reading this. So, cause we don't have much Hang time. On, Jace. Let's, let's take our last break. So he says, I tell you the truth, verse 28 of three, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. And 
I want to read this last verse because for all the debates and all the confusion on what exactly that is, it's a he I think he realized that. And so he he clarifies and says he said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. So there it is. They think he's a liar. They think he's doing this by the power of Satan. He has an illustration because that makes no sense. Why would you be casting out demons if they were under the power of Satan? If you were under the power of Satan, why would you be casting them out? Well, it, it, it makes no sense. But that's all they got. And so they weren't, sure wasn't going to acknowledge him as something righteous and, and from God. So then he says this, but the profound statement, I'll give you my take, that if you look at Jesus and you say, you know, his light is darkness, if you say his truth is a lie, if you say his righteousness is sinful, if his existence is demonic, well, it's an unforgivable sin. You, there's never going to be a way you're going to be in you know, relationship with him, if you're calling everything he does the opposite, which would be evil. It's not like some grand idea where you're like, now I wonder if I've ever done that. That's pretty clear. You're calling Jesus evil. That's never going to work in a relationship because he's not. It's all, it's, it's all a lie. So I don't think it's just a, I mean, a verbal thing. It's more of this is your heart where you're viewing God and who he is through Jesus, the complete opposite way of saying it's evil or satanic. What's unforgivable? Yep. Um, I think to this point, Jace, you're, you're on target. And I think the reason he tells this truth in the same context of the parables about Satan is because think about it, what he's saying is Satan can't be against Satan. And what you're claiming me of can't happen either. Jesus can't be God without the Holy Spirit. And so I, I think it's very simple. The, the unforgivable sin is to deny that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one and that and that's where the power is. So it, it's it, people have made a much bigger deal about it. It's really simple. It's it's the same way you can't separate Satan from evil. You can't separate Jesus from good or Jesus well, right. from his power. Well, I think source. they were calling it evil, though. It's like the vehicle at which Jesus was doing the things that they were addressing was the Holy Spirit. Well, they were, if you call the Holy Spirit demonic, you're, you're, you're blaspheming the very vehicle that would allow you to obtain righteousness and, and purification. You know, it's like, I think that's what his point was, because the same Holy Spirit indwells us. So if you're saying the spirit that Jesus had, the Holy Spirit, or or is, I mean, it's hard to describe Jesus, you know, in that light, because he, he just is. He is part of God the Father, you know. He is the Holy Spirit, but he's also the Holy Spirit once he... Once he was baptized, the Holy Spirit carried him to have this meeting with the evil one, but it also allowed him to do all these miracles. That Well, if you're blaspheming against that, that's the same spirit that would indwell you and transform you. 
So it would be unforgivable because that same spirit you need. And if it, if you're claiming it's demonic, well, how is that going to transform your demons and sinful behavior? That that's what yeah, I think. You can't, you can't get to the 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 power of Jesus, sacrifice of Himself, except by means of the Holy Spirit, because that those go together. You can't have one without the other, and so I think that's the point. It's the inseparable nature of God. You ha- you have to embrace all, and you can't deny any part of who God is, and be right with Him. I mean, it's just, and you're right. It, what makes it unforgivable is the fact you've lost your pathway to having a relationship. So, I mean, I, I think if you look at it at its simplest level, it makes the most sense because, because the last verse in 30 says he said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. All right. And there's a passage. Well, I was just going to mention, there's a passage in Isaiah five where it starts. It just shows when you start calling, calling evil, good and good evil. And, and that's what my, my alert comes up on, on this earth today. When I hear people calling something that is obviously sinful behavior and obviously evil when they start calling that justified and good a a red flag goes up because that's a dangerous place to be yeah i agree we're uh we're out of time for the podcast but i do want to talk a little bit more about that in the overtime so if you want to follow us over at blazetv.com slash unashamed, you subscribe to Blaze. Not only do you get our overtime segments, but you get everything uh, they have to offer on their platform. So check it out. Uh, we'll see you in overtime. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.